This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Are you thinking about doing your own podcast, but you don't know how? Well, have you heard about Anchor? It's actually the platform that I'm hosting through this right now. And yes, it's free. Not only is it free, it's super easy to use. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more. It's really that easy. And guess what? You can actually make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's a big deal. So it's really everything you need in one place to make an amazing podcast. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. I'm going to see if you know this song. If you know this song, you get your gangster credit. Damn. And this is not even like a 100% gangster song. It was a remix of one of the greatest hip-hop artists of all time, Tupac Shacker. <laughs> every corner, every city, there's a place where life's a little easy. Little Hennessy, laid back and cool. Every hour, because it's so good. We won't. Julia. I didn't listen to him. You didn't listen to no Tupac Shacker? No. Nothing? Nothing. Wait, what did you listen to growing up then? Um a lot of a lot of rock music. Oh, see, that's the shit that I don't know about. Yeah. I feel like I fucked up because you know when I when I talk to Tim <laughs> or Gio or Bart, I feel like their their knowledge and library of music is a lot bigger than mine. Oh hell yeah. Because for me it's just uh it's like hip hop and R and B. Right. But outside of that, yeah. I didn't listen to to a lot of genres so every time like people they reference like some i don't know name like a rock band that you used to listen to yellow card that's my favorite. see i know a, I, I should know a couple so if you sing a yellow card song yeah. because it was so popular on the radio yeah i can remember it okay. so sing one right now um uh if i could find you now things would get better if we leave this town We'll run forever. What's the chorus? <laughs> that, I know, I that's heard, the chorus. Oh, is it? But I heard that song before. <laughs> right, right, right. So that's during the time where there was there was a lot of like uh like emo. Yeah. What's that alternative rock? Is that yeah, what that's yeah, called? Yeah, yeah. It was Yellow Card. What's another band? Um. Oh my gosh. Uh. There's All Time Low. There was. Um. Oh my god. Why am I blinking? Out? Oh, All American Rejects. Sing an all American. I, I know an all, I guarantee you, I'll, I'll know one of those songs that you'll sing from them. Oh my gosh. Um, What's that one that goes, uh, uh, all the small, small things? things. Who's that? <laughs> Who's that? Um, that's Blink 182. Is it? Fuck, I don't know shit, all man. All the small things, truth cares, truth rings. Always, I know you'll be at my show, watching, <laughs> waiting. See, there you go. Commiserate. I don't remember. Those are the most basic fucking lyrics I've ever heard in my life. But that's Say why. it ain't so, I will not go. Turn the lights off, carry me home. <laughs> oh my God, dude. Yeah. See, you and I grew up in like two different worlds. We but, did. But I definitely know that music because it was so popular it was on the radio so even if i didn't like fuck with the genre just because it was constantly being blasted this was by the way uh prior to fucking spotify and everything else yeah so it just permeated into our lives because you would just hear it on the radio yeah all the fucking time i feel like smash mouth would be your jam (laughs) okay sing a smash smash mouth song right now because right now that sounds like a dope porno (laughs) yeah 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 um oh my god Somebody once told me the world is gonna rule me. 
Oh, I so ain't the, like I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. So I forgot. I totally forgot the lyrics, but it's like. I see. I heard that. Yeah, yeah. Why does that resonate with me? Because he's calling himself dumb. Yeah, and then there's something with like with like a L with the like an L on the shape of your. I don't know something something on the shape of your forehead. I totally forgot. What about this? How many brothers fell victim to the streets? Rest in peace, young N word. There's a there's a. No? No, I don't know that one. I mean, uh, I think the other one I probably would know would be like, um, Baby Got Back. That would be one. <laughs> or uh, what, what, what is, what is, how does that one song go where it's like, move, bitch, get out Talking the about Ludacris? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> they, I don't know. I've well, heard those are really like popular hits too. Yeah. You don't know any like Kanye West or anything? I know some Kanye West, but I don't know a lot though. Like I never dwelt like dwelled into like the hip hop like. Oh, but Kanye rap. West, though, yeah. not even like his college dropout album. No, Everybody. dude, that was a good album. Yeah, yeah. You don't know any song from the college dropout? Not by heart, but I'm sure I heard it. Then now my flow is in the pocket like wallets. I got the bounce like hydraulics. Mm-hmm. I can call it. I got the swirl like alcoholics. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, I freaking love that album, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kanye West's college dropout arguably is one of the best hip hop albums of all time. I fucking said it. What do you think about um his what what was it eight oh eight heartbreak? Yo, eight oh eight and heartbreaks was so weird because um for me I didn't really fuck with it that hard, oh. but. A lot of people that I know that liked it, and, and the reason why is because Kanye West is somebody who constantly just reinvented himself. Mm-hmm. So every album that came out was a representation of what was going on in his life at the time. Mm-hmm. So 808 and Heartbreaks, I, I, I'm I thinking from what I've read, I can't remember now, but he was going through some shit, some heartbreak. Yeah. And so that was like his his – his ode to his emotions at that time mm-hmm. i mean his production quality is always wild as fuck i mean there was a few tracks on 808 and heartbreaks i can't remember them right now but if you if after college dropout graduation um it kind of went a little off for me and then obviously like his tracks before that time his mixtapes were really dope yeah. but when it starts to get into 808 heartbreaks uh um what was that what was that one track saying no 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 I'm not loving you. you know, that, yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, uh-huh. You know, it was, it, I didn't vibe with it at the time mm-hmm. because it wasn't what I was going through. But a lot of the stuff that he did before, just because he was such like, uh, he was so crafty with his words. Yeah. And then on top of that, like his production quality was amazing. Like I didn't get to go to his, uh, I really wanted to go to his graduation uh, concerts because during when that album came out, I heard his fucking concerts were wild. I'm wow. talking about he had like a full choir and everything. I never got to experience that shit. Wow. And by the time I had money to go to his concerts, mm-hmm. it's by the time I fucking started hating him. So <laughs> even on some weird shit. I see. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I don't think I really got into um, hip hop very much when I was younger just because whatever was playing on the radio, it just really turned me off just based on the lyrics itself because it was a lot about it was like a lot about drugs and sex and just like literally anything that i just didn't really resonate with Mm. and so to me it it just it just wasn't relatable and so i was like i'm not living that life and and it doesn't make me feel hard like like you know like i'm a gangster yeah to me i'm just like wow that's just gross (laughs) that's very honest with you though because a lot of people will listen to that music and they feel like they want to live that lifestyle which is so so weird to me Mm. you know so you listen to like i'm just a teenage (laughs) dirtbag baby (laughs) 
<laughs> Listen to Iron Maiden, baby. Who sings that? I don't remember, but that sounds really familiar. Yeah, that kind of. Oh, what was that one band called? Papa Roach. Oh, Those motherfuckers were popular yeah. as shit. Cut my life into pieces. <laughs> <laughs> this is my last resort. <laughs> there was dun, so, dun, dun, dun. That music was so emotional. Yeah. You know, a lot of hip hop is actually going towards that route. They call it like 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 emo rap. Right. Which, which is which is cool. I I think I can definitely relate to it now. Well, yeah, I mean that stuff yeah. is very much so I I mean if you're younger too, you may not realize, but a lot of that alternative rock shit is the emo rap that you're listening to right now. Mm-hmm. It's just done with a different beat now. And mm-hmm. obviously it's done through hip hop. But the subject matter and how it's connecting with the youth is basically like teenage angst. Like you feel like you're not being understood. Yep. You feel like uh, things aren't really going your way. Relationship problems, yeah. which, you know, hip hop back in the day, I mean, they would have love songs and stuff. Like uh, I remember when uh, LL Cool J did that uh that song with boys to men. Mm-hmm. Hey lover, hey lover, this is more than a crush. Like they had those type of like yeah, mixes yeah. and shit. But um, yeah, it was more like about shooting and killing people. Yeah, I just couldn't relate. <laughs> Nor did I want to do anything like that. So yeah, it, to me, I just didn't really want to listen to it. Did you, did you, so aside from like rock, what else did you listen to? Um, I guess some pop, but I honestly don't remember. I feel like the type of rock music I listen to, I think a lot of rock people don't see it as rock because it's like more like pop punk or like alternative rock. Oh, is there like beef within like the rock community kind and shit? Of, like, I think like if you so. listen to punk rock and you listen to uh, alternative rock, it's like, dude, I what mean, the fuck is that? I mean, they cross over a lot together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think like those that, you know, compared to like just classical rock or just rock as in like i don't know uh fuck what oh my god what do you call them uh how fucking dare you julia i know i was thinking about aerosmith but then that's not quite it i was thinking um oh my god oh creed no i'm kidding no oh my god who sang uh bohemian rhapsody the are you talking about i was about to say prince not prince david so Fucking uh, mustache, fucking uh, AIDS. Yeah, but uh, I, for- I forgot the band name that's saying it. I'm sorry. Oh my, I should know this too. Yeah. And my mind is going fucking blank. For somebody but, who does music, I don't know shit about music. Yeah, but I mean like for something of that band, I'm sorry guys out there that like, I can't, for the life oh of me, Oh my God, how am I forgetting name. his fucking name? Yeah. Oh, um, something Mercury. Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury. God yeah, damn but it. then he was of what band though? Freddie Mercury of what band? But I don't know. I just r- regardless, Mercury. like I mean, I feel like those are the people that feel like uh, that's what rock is, and yeah. that's like what good rock is. Yeah. And then for me, it's just like child's play. I did guess. you did you like music growing up, or music? was it or was it just something that you would it would just be on here and there, but you never really like a hundred percent got into it. Uh, I think for me, it was pretty much just on here and there. And then mm-hmm. when I did get into it, it was just only a specific sound. Mm. Yeah. Um, dude, music for me was just for me to get women to talk to me, dude. That's the only, <laughs> that's the only thing I ever gave a fuck about, dude. Is that when, right when I picked up that guitar, I'm like, dude, I'm trying to get some pussies Damn. wet. 
It was like the thing. Though. Did you, are you telling me that you didn't have one of those little Asian fucks with a guitar on campus all the oh, fucking time? Oh, no, we did. Time? We did. Those fuckers, dude. I wasn't one of them. I brought my guitar specifically because I had choir, and then we would, like, oh. practice music together. But other than that, I wouldn't bring it there because I, you know, I felt weird. I thought you were going to do a little bit of, like, dashboard confessions. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sing me a dashboard confessionals confessionals song yeah. right now, and I, I bet you I know it. I don't fucking I – don't, I don't remember. I think it was – I don't remember. I think they did one for Spider-Man. Oh, my God. It was a long-ass time ago. See, these these bands, like, if you say it, I'll remember it. Yeah. But when I was in high school... Switchfoot? Switchfoot. Yeah. I, I know of that band, but I don't know any of their music. Really? Yeah. You might have heard it. If you sing... Like I said, if you sing it, I'll probably know it. Uh, th- there's one that says, like... Um, it's It goes, like... There- Dare you to breathe? Uh, dare I dare you, you to move. Yeah, there you go. I dare you to breathe. Yeah, yeah. That's... <laughs> yeah, there's that one. Yeah, see, yeah. I, I heard this music. Yeah, yeah. I don't know any lyrics, but dude, there was. Uh, it was so funny because um, when I was in high school, there was a dude that was really popping off. Off of uh, it wasn't. I don't want to say it was SoundCloud. It could have been SoundCloud or some an iteration of what it was before that. But he was huge. This is before YouTube was popping, and he mm-hmm. was really putting like R and B and acoustic music on on this on the spot. And it was two people at the time. Wow! It was this guy. It was two Filipino cats. Uh, 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 he went by Passion. Yes, I remember Passion and um... uh, Gabe Bundock. Mm. And so everybody used to take their music, go to campus. Practice it at home. Yeah. Make sure that this shit was on point. Go find themselves a nice big booty fucking Filipino girl and sing that song, dude. Mm. And that shit right there is how I lost my virginity. Jeremy Passion, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy Passion helped me lose my virginity wow. because that song was powerful as hell. If you sang his song Lemonade, yeah. dude, all the girls were like, oh my God, who's dead? Oh, sing a snippet. Sing a snippet. I want to hear it. Oh, uh, fuck. Like, I'm. I should know this because, dude, I I used to go when I heard that song. First of all, I fucked with the song because I loved it. Yeah. And then on top of that, I was like, "This right here, cuz, mm-hmm. is gonna get a woman to touch my penis." And that <laughs> shit fucking worked, dude. He doesn't know. He's probably one of the biggest reasons why at that time a lot of dweeby Asian guys lost their virginity because wow. of that song. Do everybody he opened opportunities for you guys? He opened, opened the gateway doors. to the first vagina I've ever had, and wow. I have not turned back. Since since. Jeremy Passion, you don't know, man. You've been popping cherries since since the year 2000, <laughs> dude. Thank you so much, man. You know, he actually uh, tweeted me a long time ago saying, I'm, I don't want to say he said he was a fan of mine, but he knew who I was. But yeah, he doesn't yeah. know that I've been known before he knew who I was, who he was, dude. <laughs> he don't even know that, dude. You, dude, bring him on. I would love to, but I think he lives out in the Bay Area. Oh. There was a lot of cats that were on this space before YouTube popped off that kind of really put it on for some Asian dudes mm-hmm. because he was one of those dudes that he has kind of like a music, I say a music soul child vibe. So um, I could, I mean, I could be wrong. I haven't really talked to him, but just listening to his music and his, and the chord progressions that he uses, he clearly listens to a lot of music soul child. And I, re- and I love music soul child. He was like one of my like R&B like gods that I used to follow back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, man, Lemonade. Do you remember that song? I don't. That's why I'm asking you to sing it. Uh, uh fuck. Um, uh, she's my sunshine in the rain. 
I can't remember. Exactly what I need. She's soothing like ocean rushing on the sand. Something like that. But it was like it was a it was such a like touching love song. Yeah. And even if it wasn't mine. When you looked into the windows of a woman's soul, they thought, "Oh my God, this shit for me." <laughs> I mean, I think the first time I heard about passion was when um, ISA first started. ISA stands for what? Um, something secret agents, like inter is it international secret agents? Something no, like that. but that was started by uh, Wang Fu. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they had that, and um, on the set list, it was. Uh, Wong Fu, and then there's Kina Granis, and then there's Passion, and I think AJ Kina Raphael. Yeah. yeah, yo, Kina Granis. One time, uh, I was doing the show out in uh, San Francisco. It was for this Chinese New Year thing, and Verizon actually uh, throws some kind of like major event in Chinatown, in San Francisco. I think they're one of the major sponsors, and the Kina Granis was performing, and I was up there with my homegirl Nikki's son, mm-hmm. and Kina Granis. She touched my forearm. And I freaked the fuck out. <laughs> Kina Granis, you don't even know. I did not wash that forearm for three weeks. <laughs> you know, um, I actually bumped into some friends at ISA. And I was like, oh. And like they, they were the type of friends that I didn't actually expect them to be at that event. Yeah. And I asked them like what they were doing there. And they're like, oh, we're here for Kina Granis. And I was like, to the course. It? Right? And then like as soon as Kina Granis finished her set, they're like, all right, we're bouncing. See you later. <laughs> and of they just course. left. Kina Granis, man. She was, I mean, not was. She's, she's first of all, a talented musician. Very talented. She was so pretty. Yeah. She is very pretty. Yeah. She's one of the only girls that I know that went after she chopped off her hair, I was like, I actually like you even more. Yeah. She's real cute with her hair like short. She could do whatever she wants to. Yeah. I love you, Kina. But I'm taken. Like, like that matters. I like how I say that as if it ever fucking mattered on earth. Like she even knows who I am. I guarantee you. She's she, married, right? Yeah, she's married. Yeah, she's happy, okay. dude. Yeah. Could be happier. Uh, I'm what? kidding. I'm kidding. Wow, dude. I have I have Mario. I love her so much. Oh, good. Yeah, but music on that t- during that time was so interesting because um, prior to prior to like Spotify and all this other stuff and like YouTube was like that platform that everybody used to to go out there and really like show what they had. And I think yeah. like um when I was growing up, like having an Asian guy singing like R and B music was not a thing. No. Like people did not expect that. So, you know, just to go back to Jeremy Passion, when he was he was doing it I just had to jump on that fucking wave, dude. <laughs> and I, I was trying to be a comic too, but I was like, yo, man, making people laugh does not get me vagina whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It would always be a situation where like if let's say we're at a, I was at a bar or something. And this is like in my 20s. Like, oh, well, you should meet my friend David, man. He makes he's really, really funny. It's like, cool. And the girl's like, oh, you're really funny. Cool. But then they would leave with some other guy. And I'm like, OK, you know what? I need to start doing music. That's what I need to do <laughs> because music is amazing. Hell yeah. I remember um, watching your skits. Cause I, I was definitely I was introduced to you with the UCLA girl yeah. video, the rant that you had about her, and then I think um, slowly on your channel you started to promote that you had your music channel. Yeah, and then I actually started with the music channel first before my comedy. I didn't know, but yeah, yeah and so like um, because you like cross reference those channels together. Yeah. Um, I, I clicked on one of your uh, videos and you started singing. I was like, oh my God, dude, this fool can sing. I wanted to be a musician first. So yeah. prior prior to uh, my David So Comedy channel, I actually had a music channel before that that I deleted. So my type of personality, and oh, maybe I didn't share this story before, but uh, 
You when deleted it? I deleted it. And, you know, at the time, I can't remember the exact subscriber, subscriber count that I had on it, yeah. but it was pretty high for the time. You know, whatever. I might have said like a random number before just to give something, you know, give something for people to bite on. Mm-hmm. But let's say it was like, I don't know, like 100,000 followers. During that time, it was a lot. And oh, this, hell is, yeah. this is during my music channel days. I, I deleted all those videos. So in the same fashion that I had with like Genius Brain, when I when I, when I I rebranded my channel from Davis, Davis So Comedy to Genius Brain, yeah. I did the same thing for my music to going into comedy. And the reason why I did that was because I, when I was trying to be a comic, there was a, there was a big issue that I had, right? And mm-hmm. it's a lot of issues that uh, I think uh, young people have. Um, when I was young, and the biggest problem that, it, uh, that 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 is is having too many options, and I wanted to do everything and anything, and it's still a problem that I have to till this day. It's like when you want to do everything and anything, the problem with that is that you'll you'll never be able to master a single craft really well. Mm-hmm. If you master a craft, it's it's going to be a constant thing that's going on, but you won't be able to get to a certain level if you keep splitting up your time with six or seven different things. Yeah. So when I started doing music, I started doing music and comedy around the same time, but I was way more into music than I was comedy. And so mm-hmm. I had to make a choice. I was like, okay, so what are you going to be? Are you going to be a comic or are you going to be a musician? And at during this time, um, I was putting more time into music, but I fell in love with comedy. So oh. I had to make a choice. So I could keep this acoustic soul or whatever, but I felt that because I had this, it was it was going to hold me back. So I did a very tough thing at the time. I deleted that channel. I completely deleted it. Gone. Really? Not like not just hide it, private it. No, I don't. I don't even know if YouTube had that option at that time. Oh. Or maybe I was just dumb and I didn't know. <laughs> I just deleted the whole fucking channel. But I actually deleted my music channel that had maybe like 100,000 followers. And yeah. whatever that number was, it was a big, big accomplishment. Right. And I was booking shows through that, like San Francisco. And I was doing that show collaboration before I even became a bigger YouTuber because I was so focused on music. Yeah. And so when I left that, I deleted it. I said, you know what? There's no turning back. Delete that channel. Move on. Start your comedy one. Yeah. And I started my comedy one, Davis of Comedy, after I deleted that channel. So then how did you fall in love with comedy? Because like at I was that time always, you were so into music. Yeah, so. but I was always doing comedy. Like I, I started, I you know I had fake IDs. I would hit up these comedy clubs, and because you know, I was I was the I was like six foot one when I was three years old. So you know what I mean. And I still don't have facial hair, but I. Uh, I'm I'm more curious about how your fake ID looked like. It it just it looked like a regular California license ID. I know, but was it with your picture on there? Yeah, or? I just oh. I just look old. I see. Like I've looked, I legit had the same face since I was like fucking sixteen. Damn it! I was hoping that it was a picture that looked completely different from you. No, it was my face, and you know, like too, like some of these clubs don't give a fuck, dude. Uh, you know, so um, I would get into these comedy clubs, and then um, long story short, I just started falling in love with comedy more. And to be honest with you, it was it was mainly because I think I was just a better comedian than I was a musician. Like I never really loved music as much as I loved making people laugh. Mm-hmm. And the reason why was because like even right now, and it goes back to me understanding um, just like music history. I know nothing about it. Like, you know, we were struggling to say, say who Freddie Mercury was. Yeah. You know, somebody who's like highly iconic in in music in general and right. I don't know these people I don't know all this different music even if you ask like hip hop artists right yeah. you ask them about certain musicians that made big waves even if it's outside of their genre mm-hmm. they'll know what what we're what they're talking about or whoever whatever or whatever that person's talking about if they're having a conversation with somebody mm-hmm. about music mm-hmm. and that's because it's their job I didn't have that same passion for music mm-hmm. I I did not 
Mm-hmm. And so for me, I had to understand, okay, are you going to waste your time on something that's just a hobby just because you're using it just because it gives you attention? Or are you going to put your time into something that makes you really happy? Right, right. And comedy made me happy. Comedy was a way for me since I was a little kid. I was a goofball. Yeah. Right? Um, I didn't know the craft about it. I didn't go to like UCB or anything else like that. I just had real world, world experience. I just went up on stage and I saw what happened. Mm-hmm. So um, comedy was something that just always rewarded me mm-hmm. with something that was more than just like recognition like the the ability to make somebody laugh about something you're not supposed to laugh about was a task that i really enjoyed and it started off with me right so when like i think we mentioned this before and on the podcast that we did i was a fat kid Uh Uh, still a bigger guy now but as a fat kid a lot of kids would make fun of you Mm -hmm. um whether it was because of my glasses the way i looked the way i behaved or it didn't really matter but yeah. with comedy, you're allowed to take those negative attributes and flip it and make it into something funny. So I would do that by making fun of myself first before somebody else could. Yeah, yeah. And for me, laughter and comedy was so healing, Yeah. which made me want to pursue it. And, and I think like that's why I went into the stand-up route. Oh. Yeah. So stand-up was like the big thing for me because being able to grab a mic – Go up on stage, make people laugh, and people said like you, dude, like you just, you know, yeah. cracked me the fuck up and changed my perspective. You know? How was how was your first, your very first performance like? My very first performance was actually this church, like yeah. right around the corner from my place. Um, it was right across this park that we used to go, but there was a church that opened up in like this warehouse area, yeah. and they did an open mic comedy night. And I just remember I just walked in there and I just did a terrible, terrible set. It was so fucking bad oh no and then I, you like know, bad because no one laughed or yeah, like nobody laughed that was not funny i was not funny i see and you know just because because people don't understand like just because you're a funny person doesn't mean you could do stand-up comedy right i have a friend back in sacramento that wanted to do stand-up too and um he did stand-up and mind you if we're in a conversation let's say like me and you like mm-hmm. let's say you're I, obviously i'm me and you're him right he that fool could make me laugh and go into tears yeah but if you put him on stage with the mic because he thought that the the conversations that we were having that he could turn into stand up but he couldn't oh. because it takes skill it takes storytelling it takes nuance it takes practice it's 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 a really difficult craft yeah i'm not saying i'm an amazing stand up comic but you know i've i can do it decently yeah you know i i obviously haven't practiced it in years but this guy he didn't really understand how difficult stand-up was. Mm-hmm. And so he went up on stage and he bombed. And this is him like later on. This is like after like six years I've been doing stand-up. He started doing stand-up too. Damn. And he would just go up on stage and fucking crickets. <gasps> no. Because he would try to tell these stories um, on stage to a group of strangers. But the reason why they were funny to us is because the people that he would talk about in those stories, we knew who they were. Yeah. So there was already a background to it. Yeah. So he would never set up his jokes. And we would try to get him to understand <sighs> that. And he just kept bombing. Over oh and my gosh. over. Oh, that sounds like a nightmare. It is. It's, it's nerve-wracking. It's <laughs> yeah. hard. Stand-up is a very difficult craft. That's why when I watch people like Bobby Lee, he's been doing it for years. The guy's a master at his craft. Yeah. Dude, you know, um, um, obviously, I mean, I'm still, I'm still a fan of you, David. But like when I was a super fan, like way yeah. back, uh, because I didn't know much about you, I tried so hard to try to find videos of you doing your stand-up. And, like, I was just trying to figure out... There's a few now. <laughs> I know. There, there is a few. Like, I, I managed to find a few. And um, I was one of those people that was so down and ready to fucking buy a ticket and watch you do stand-up. Yeah. I, um, when I was doing stand-up uh, pretty actively, it was only when I first started, like, the first two years. Mm-hmm. And so I would go to, like, the Ice House Pasadena, and I would, like, 
do material. But then I slowly started to find out that a lot of these, a lot of these college shows were different than doing a standup at a, uh, at an actual comedy club. Mm. So comedy clubs, they were a lot more open. Yeah. Um, you could say what I'm talking about. You go to comedy clubs, depending yeah. on which one you go to and who goes up, yeah. people say some wild shit and nobody really gets that offended. Yeah. You know, Aside from saying very like racially offensive things, depending on who that person is, mm-hmm, right? So mm-hmm. like, let's say if a white dude's up there and he's trashing on black people as a joke, right. it's probably not going to go over really well, right. right? Or if a dude is trashing on women without any nuance and not without any background to it, then obviously it's going to go bad. But other than that, it's pretty open. It was a, it was like a safe space. You get to go up there, go to a comedy club, test your material out. Mm-hmm. If it fails, <laughs> go back to the drawing board. Either oh. you rewrite that joke. You st- if you still believe in the joke, you yeah, either rewrite yeah. it or you trash it and move on. Yeah, yeah. Um, college shows were a little different. It was more – it wasn't – a lot of the stuff that would kill in the comedy club that I would use, mm-hmm. I would try to do it at college shows if people would get either offended or they feel weird about it. So oh. I was like, oh, this is a very different space. Yeah. So for me, before the I would walk up on stage, I would like peep through the blinds and the curtains and I would look, take a look at everybody out there. Yeah. Like – like what what's David so I would look I'm like what's the age group yeah uh how many women are in there how many dudes and I would kind of base it off that type of stuff just because like I felt like the college crowd was a little more sensitive they wouldn't listen to the comedy they would just listen for trigger words and get mad Mm. and I hated that shit because it's like dude you got to listen to the content first like don't just get angry just to be angry at this point right Right? so like um I mean I I plan to do stand-up again starting actually next year I would yeah. love to go and see you. I want to yeah. support you. Let me buy the ticket. Yeah, so we're going to, like, I, I'm definitely going to do stand-up next year for sure. Yay. Like, like, people don't know, like, in this phone and in my computer, I have literally, like, hundreds of pages of stand-up. I constantly write all the time. It's just something I did, I've done since I was 16. Yeah, yeah. So whenever I find something funny, I write it down. Oh, my gosh. So then, like, prior to you actually performing up on stage, um, how, like, I guess, how long do you practice? Like, do you do, you do your whole set? It depends. Um, for me, because I had such short sets when I first started out and yeah. I was an absolute nobody, I rarely ever got like past 15 minutes to do a set. Yeah. Um, I didn't prep much. I had a lot of hitters and I would do a lot of crowd work. I see. Um, uh, the longest show that I did was out in Minnesota. I did a, an hour set. Whoa. Yeah, I did an hour set. That was super – Bart and Joe were there. So they were there to witness my first hour set. Damn. Yeah, I did a full fucking hour. And I don't remember anything that I said because it was such a last minute show. I didn't I didn't get the prep for it very well. And oh. so uh it was did cool. they did they surprise you? It was like, oh surprise, we booked you for an hour. No, I, I it wasn't confirmed that I was gonna do the show and it didn't seem like it was gonna get booked, so I didn't prep for it. Oh, I see. So I was like, ah fuck it, it's not gonna happen. So and then when it got book booked, it was like two weeks out and I was busy doing other things yeah. that I didn't really get to prepare. But the good thing is because I've done stand-up for so long, I mm-hmm. still had a lot of old sets in my head. Yeah. And so I had to tweak it to make it funny. I mean, some of the stuff didn't do as well. But yeah. I mean, Bart and Joe said I killed it. I don't know if they were being nice, but <laughs> I remember it went pretty well. I think people were laughing. I mean, I did an yeah. hour and then people were cracking up. So yeah. hopefully that means I did well. Yeah. But who knows? Like, you know, comedy too, it's one of those things that I felt like after a while it started to die out for me. Um, not because I don't like stand-up comedy anymore. It was because... I just was tapped out. Like it didn't bring the same joy. Oh, uh, interesting. Because all I ever wanted to do was be a stand-up comic originally. That's it. Yeah. And then um, after a while, I was just like, eh, there's other ways to make people laugh. And that's when YouTube popped up. 
Mm. You know, YouTube was the way. I was like, oh, I can make people laugh doing sketches and writing. And there's yeah. other ways to express my humor and get people to feel that same way through a different avenue. And that was through writing sketches, you know, doing these comedy vlogs, so you know, quote unquote vlogs and doing yeah. that type of shit. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you've, you've changed a lot. Like oh, your yeah. paths have changed quite a lot. It happens. And people, people don't understand like uh, people, oh, how do, you, how do you have your life figured out? I don't have my fucking life figured <laughs> yeah, out. I don't think anyone does. Nobody does, dude. <laughs> and that's what happens. A lot of people, they, they look at somebody else and they say, well, how do I get to be that person? Because they have everything figured out. They don't. Nobody no. fucking has shit figured out. Yeah, I don't. I are. I don't know what I'm doing at all. Out mm. of our group, out of the main people, I'm probably the one that has is the most lost. <laughs> no, you're telling me. <laughs> I feel like I have like zero. I mean, I have a loose direction, but I'm just. I don't even know how my life is right now. I don't even know how I'm living. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's and that's how life's supposed to be, though. Yeah, you know. Um, I guess the advice that I would give certain people that 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 think that I have everything figured out, I always tell them, you know, you're, there's going to be moments in your life where you feel like everything is going right. Mm-hmm. You know your path, you know your lane, but after year two, year three, year four, year five, you're going to say, "Whoa, I want more than this." Yeah, and I want to do something else. And that that thought scares them because they go, "Well, oh shit!" Now either one, they feel like they're a loser. Mm-hmm. They feel like. They're, they're just wasting their time or or whatever it mm-hmm. is. But what they're forgetting is that because everybody is so good at going on social media and saying, I have everything figured out. Yo, pursue your dreams. Find that goal. Tackle it. And then everything is fucking good. Right. You guys, you fucking six-pack tan bullshitting motherfuckers, dude. You don't have shit figured out. All you do is you go on your fucking Instagram. You write a post about how everything is great. But you, you kind of mislead these people who are lost. Yeah. And my thing is, my brand is always shit. I say, you know what? I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. All I know is that when I find something that I enjoy, yeah. in that moment, I'm going to try to master it to the best of my ability. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't work out, I have to figure out when I should bail out or try something else. Yeah. And I think um, as you're exploring these different paths, like you get to know more about yourself, whether yeah. you're someone who works better under um like an organized type of uh position or Mm -hmm. if you're an entrepreneur and you just want to blaze a path yeah like it's it's very interesting because yeah like um when you're talking about how you know after year uh two year three you want to you want more right like you've achieved your goal and you want more right and i feel like when you have that feeling and when you have that thought it's kind of like i see the way i see it is that you've now become an entrepreneur like you've, you've become someone that wants to grow more and not necessarily like under somebody but like you just want to grow and do more things yeah yeah um and then i think i think for me it's like uh i i feel like i'm more in the middle but i'm also i think i lean more towards someone who just likes to follow and i don't think for you you should think about it as you're somebody who likes to follow a lot of the times when you guys hear these self-help podcasts and people give you advice about shit you you think to yourself like okay well i'm fucking up because i'm not an entrepreneur that's not most people in this world most Mm. people aren't entrepreneurs yeah like it's 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 difficult it's difficult for me and people consider my me an entrepreneur and i really don't see myself like that but i guess i am (laughs) because i do own businesses and stuff. yeah you do but it's you don't have to look down on yourself because that's not your path oh yeah i i don't i don't because like i think for me it's like i'm just testing out these different 
um, paths. Yeah. And I'm just figuring out what works best for me and like what I prefer and what I like. Yeah. And I like structure. Yeah. Um, and I like it if you were to give me a list of things that you need me to do and I'll do it. Yeah. And if you were to be like, hey, um, I just need some of these things kind of done. Uh, you just figure out what needs to get done. Um, to me, I'm just like, I don't fucking know. Yeah. Like I get so lost. And, and, yeah. and so to me, like I know personally, from like just experience and practice that I don't function that way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's like what I say too. It's, you know, you understand where your skills lie mm-hmm. and also you're a very important part of a, of a constantly moving machine. Yeah, yeah. And without you, this machine wouldn't work. There is like the top person who thinks about these ideas, but we do need people to execute that Hell very yeah. fucking well. And there's a lot that's of- That's me. Yeah. <laughs> and, there's, and there's a lot of variability within that job, right? Mm-hmm. So for example, nothing is ever like clear cut. Right. So let's say if you're a producer and I say, hey, I need this, this and this. You yeah. can't come back and say, oh, we don't have it. You figure out and you give me options. Yeah, yeah. There's ways for you to have that entrepreneur, entrepreneur tenacity within yeah. the job as you're doing your tasks. Yep. Yep. And 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 that's like the, the thing that people have to realize, too. Like you just just don't look at what we're doing and saying that, oh, I'm mm. not enough because I can't do what they do. Or and what you'll find out, too, is it, let's say you want you really do want to be an entrepreneur. And you feel like you're better at taking directions instead of creating your own path. Well, find that that group or that company that you want to be with that aligns mm-hmm. with your goals. Yep. Because there's also a lot of free time where you develop things outside of a career. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So pe- people kind of base their whole identity off the job that they have. And, and you know, I, I honestly feel like a majority of myself and who I am as a human being works outside of the work that I'm doing. Yeah. This job and this career does make me happy. Like I get to connect and, you know, people get to hear these insights. But outside of me being on this microphone or me going up on stage doing stand-up, I have my own personal life, my own goals outside of that mm-hmm. that I look forward to, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, but before we continue, oh. we do – have a sponsorship people (gasps) this podcast was brought to you by audible could listening make you a better parent a better leader even a better person could listening to motivating fitness programs get you fit could listening inspire you to start something new there's never been a better time to start listening on audible with audible you get access to an unbeatable selection of audiobooks including bestsellers motivation mysteries thrillers memoirs and more Audible has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet. And now with Audible Originals, the selection has gotten even more custom with content made for members. Audible members can choose three titles every month, one audiobook and two Audible Originals you can't hear anywhere else. Audible members also get access to exclusive audio fitness programs to start the new year off on the right foot. Listen on any device, anytime, anywhere, at home, at the gym, on your commute. Or just on the go. You'll also enjoy easy audiobook exchanges, rollover credits, and an audiobook library you can keep forever, even if you cancel. Audible, the most inspiring minds, the most compelling stories, the best place to listen. Get started with a 30-day trial when you go to audible.com slash GB or text GB to 500-500 and listen for a change. Once again, that's audible.com slash GB or text GB to 500 500 that's a u d i b l e dot com slash g b the current audiobook that i am listening to my friends is a classic for anybody out there that wants to get their foot or dip their foot into screenwriting and that is save the cat it's just a great way to start if you guys don't know how to do it save the cat will get you there it'll give you the foundation to 
get you thinking about specific things that you probably wouldn't think about when it comes to screenwriting because you actually don't know how to do it. So whenever I do screenwriting, I always refer back to Save the Cat and listening to it in an audiobook format is absolutely amazing. So once again, people, if you do want to try this out, go to audible.com slash GB or text GB to 500-500 and get started, you pretty, pretty people. <laughs> anyway, what were we talking about? That? I don't know. What were, what were we talking about? Uh, oh, um, whether you're an entrepreneur or a worker. But I mean, like, it, it all blends in together and it just depends on what, like, how, how you work how, and how you function. Yeah. Did you, did you, did you ever want to try to be an entrepreneur? Um, I never really set any goals to be. Um, I think I started thinking more about it when I, um, when I, I first started out with JK and yeah. just seeing them do their own channels and do their own things and their, their own brand. I'm like, wow. Yeah. It's I inspiring, guess, I isn't guess it? It is inspiring. And it's, it's very motivational because when you're surrounded by something like that, you're like, oh, you start believing that you can actually achieve those things, even though when, even though like you never thought you could. Yeah. It's like things started to become more possible. So like when you guys had SIP and you guys started that out, like it was basically a concept. And then like, I don't know like how much time has passed, but it felt so quick that you guys already had a physical store. And I was like, yeah. what the hell? And to me, it was just kind of eye opening because I'm like, man, literally, if you have an idea and if you work towards making that come true, it will come true. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, it, it's such a simple thought, but it. I it just never hit so hard for me until that moment where I was like, "Wow, dude! Like I must be a real lazy ass for not wanting to do things. Like I'm thinking about all these things, but I don't do any effort or put any effort into making that happen." And then mm. when I saw that, I'm like, "Okay, I should work harder." But you know, if, if you if you think about it in that case, um, like for example, with the matcha spot that we have, right? Yeah. Sip. Um, that happens because the team is amazing. Right. So it's not because Joe and I sat around and we said, hey, let's do a matcha shop. Cool. We're going to get it done by ourselves. So we have obviously the main people. So right. Joe and I are more of a the marketing team mm-hmm. slash uh, investors. Mm-hmm. And then we have the people who are really the heart of the business, which is uh, Dan, Jeremy, June, yeah, and yeah. Anna. And I mean, yeah, they, they are a great team. But I, I also feel like if you guys didn't push to find a great team or to trust yeah. in a great team, it would have never happened. That's yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 definitely a team effort. And that took me a yeah. while because I started to realize too, um, as I was, you know, opening a lot of these businesses and, you know, I failed a couple of times is that yeah. I, the concept can be great, but I also started to learn that I should start investing into people, like the right people. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people talk a big game, dude. And you know about the drama that I had with one of my businesses, dude. Uh, mm-hmm. Fuck that guy. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> You know, I'm, pro- you know, like no, no, no hate or animosity towards him. He's just a fucking dumbass, and <laughs> like the dude, it's it, that's what I fucked up on. Like I, I invested into more of his skills that he portrayed as somebody who knew what he was doing with food, rather than his business tax- tactics and who he was as a person. Uh, so, like in in his case, the guy has, you know, it's kind of dumb when I really think about it, and I, I think like I, um. Against my own instincts, I said, you know what? He's, this is a friend of mine. I'm going to believe in him. But there's a reason why somebody would fail two businesses before they start a third one with me. Oh. And the way he would phrase it made it sound like he met the wrong people. And for me, I was thinking, okay, you know what? I'm the right person. Ah. So with his skill set and me, I could blow this place up. And the place did really, really, really well. Yeah. But the problem with having a business that you just 
It doesn't matter if it does well or not. If you go into work and you walk in every day and you say, you know what? I hate the people here. I don't like being here. Mm-hmm. No matter how successful that business is now, in the future, it's going to fail. Yep. Because walking in and disliking what you're doing is going to be a forever struggle. And that is something that just yep. doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. And it will just kill you slowly on the inside. Yes. And then your business will become worse. It's, it's a reflection of you. Yep. You know? And that's what we always want with all these businesses that we do own. We want it to be a reflection of ourselves, you know, Mm -hmm. specifically when it comes to like SIP or, you know, Shrimp Daddy or everything else. Like customer service is the biggest thing. Yeah. I think for me, like when I walk into a place, like there are stuff that we could arguably probably make at home. Mm -hmm. But we come into an establishment because we want people to say, I had a great experience. Yeah. You know, so when you guys come to SIP and you guys check it out, if you guys have a bad experience, remember, don't be quiet about that shit. Like come up. Mm -hmm. Talk to an employee and say, hey, like I felt like you guys were blah, 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 blah or something else. And we'll constantly work on that type of stuff. I just don't like like that Yelp culture right now where people are so fucking brave and they talk a lot of shit on Yelp. <laughs> but all you had to do was talk to us when we're at the business. Yeah. And then we would have helped you out. It's not a problem. I don't know. Some people are just weird. Like they just want that attention. It's just. Or maybe or do they feel like they're the whistleblowers? I don't know. So Yelp Yelp has a thing, right? Yeah. So there's actually I read this book and um it had it had a lot to deal with like marketing and shit. I forgot what the exact terminology is, but people have this thing of wanting to be the who's who in the group, meaning that I know something that you don't know. Oh. So that's why a lot of these restaurants do have secret menus. Mm-hmm. The reason why you have secret menus, I mean it doesn't make sense if if it's an item that does really well. Why mm-hmm. not just put it on the menu? You mm-hmm. know why? It's because it actually creates like this marketing fervor for something. Yeah. So people go, oh, well, you know, if you go to, let's say, what's 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 a diner that you have? Oh, you know, if you go to Diner Blue Apples. Yeah. Right. If you ask for the pie and say you want it flipped upside down in a butt. Yeah. You, you know what they'll do with that with the with the. Apple pie yeah. is that they'll flip the apple pie upside down, put sugar and crust it with the with the with the glaze on yeah, top. Yeah, yeah. And they go, oh, I didn't know about that. So they like to be the person who knows something about something that you don't know. Yeah, I remember In and Out was the biggest craze. Oh, dude, the Flying then. Dutchman, oh, all this other yeah. weird shit, right? So, and and that's really. A, a huge memory that people have of In-N-Out. Mm-hmm. And people do this a lot with restaurants. And it's a great idea. And it's also it also creates kind of a cool relationship mm-hmm. with the customer base. And that's kind of what Yelp does. So Yelp is a way for people to, number one, say things without accountability because it's not their restaurant. <sighs> they could, they, if you do do Yelp, so I have a Yelp review too, but I don't do, do it under my name. Mm-hmm. And I only give four or five stars. And if I give that person a one star, they must have done something terrible but i don't think i've ever given a one star because in my opinion if the food is bad and the place is not good eventually they will close down on its own yeah so i don't have to go out of my way to destroy a business another thing i realized with um some yelp reviews is that people get really emotional in there and it has nothing to do with the food oh a (laughs) hundred percent dude did you read some of these yelp reviews they're like okay so I woke up today and I took a shower and my shower head wasn't working and I swear to God, I told my landlord to fucking fix the water and nothing happened. And so I took the coldest fucking shower and the only thing that was going to help me was some hot mashed potatoes. So I walked into Denny's yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, what the fuck does that got to do with Denny's? Yeah. And then when I asked for mashed potatoes, it came out five minutes late and I was like, what? Ever. One star. Yeah. 
I'm like, hold on a second. The fuck does your non-showering smelly ass has to do with this fucking business? Right. You know? Like, customer service, I understand. Mm-hmm. If you were treated poorly or if the food tasted bad, like, sure, you can rate it poorly. But it's Dude, just... I don't even give bad reviews for bad customer service as long as the food is good. That's oh, just how I am. Wow. So if I go into a place, a guy, let's say a French man walks up to me yeah. and he goes, hello, who are you? Yeah. You are a Chinese piece of shit. Here is your burger. <laughs> And I eat the burger and it's fucking delicious. I'm like, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> as long as you gave me my goddamn burger, Frenchie. You wow. still got to serve me that burger, bitch. And I just eat it and I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. And I'm good. Yeah. Like I won't, I, I probably won't give them a five star. Yeah. But I guarantee you, I ain't going to give them a one because I ate the food and I was happy. Yeah. I'm, I'm very simple to please though. Like I'm not, because my parents owned a business. I understand yeah. What those reviews do to a business. Yeah. You know, and you know, people aren't gonna sit there and try to investigate what's going on. Right. And a lot of the times, like, like we were just talking about this with one of my favorite uh, restaurants that's right around the corner. Yeah. Like, um, she was telling me that, oh, so let me tell you this story. Mm. Uh, there was uh, a time where I walked in and she told me that there was a very, very, very rude customer. And I'm talking about this is, this is the interaction that they had. So, and I heard this too, like over my shoulder, I just couldn't pick up a majority of it. Yeah. Because I was faced this way on the counter the other way. And then she kind of told me what happened after. But as she was being, uh, she asked for the menu. Yeah. And then she was asking for something that was gluten-free. Of course, LA. Everything has to be Mm gluten-free. She asked for this gluten-free dish. And she goes, cool. He goes, oh, we don't really have like any gluten-free, you know, bread or whatever. Mm -hmm. But what I can do is I could put a burger that you would like and put it on a bed of frisé. Yeah. And she goes... She goes, how she responded to her, she says, well, that's not a burger, a lettuce wrap then, is it? What the fuck? And then she goes, oh, I never said it was a lettuce wrap. I said I could put it on a bed of frisé. She goes, don't tell me what I said and I didn't say. And I'm like, yo, dude. She's oh just like, my God. you know, just going off on her. Yeah. And she comes back, gives her food, and then she just super disrespectful and rude as fucking just storms the fuck on out. And clearly that person's going to give a bad one-star yeah. review. But if you hear that one-star review and what it says, it's like, well, this person was the, – the the owner who was being super disrespectful to me um, didn't – didn't said that they had a, a non-gluten-free items and they clearly didn't. She was being snippy with me. But I was there and I witnessed it. Yeah. And that's not what happened. Yeah. So this is, this is the type of stuff that people have to be mindful of. Like yeah. you don't know what goes on with these like Yelp reviews and these restaurants because sometimes people are just fucking assholes. Right. And and I'm with you. Like I think I'm pretty easy to please if um the service is whatever. Yeah. Like I mean as long as the food is good, like I'm happy, right? And I think that just for me um, for my reasoning of feeling that way is that I also worked at a restaurant too and I've dealt with so many different customers and it's just like some of them are just really rude. Dude. Just straight up rude and that's why you get a rude response. It's, it's not the workers that are being rude to you. You're being rude to them first. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so strange. Like I, and, one of, yeah. yeah. One of my friends, uh, I, she, she, I got super upset at her because of the way she used to treat like uh, waiters and waitresses. Oh my gosh. Um, for example, uh, we were waiting outside to go eat. This is a Sacramento friend. And, you know, she's like one of my closest friends. But I got super fucking mad at her because she was upset at the staff because we couldn't get seated in the time that we wanted to get seated. But mm-hmm. the place was packed. Yeah. I'm talking about it was fuck. We were outside. It was so fucking packed. And she was giving this lady so much attitude. I was like, yo, I understand if the person's just waiting around and not doing anything. Mm-hmm. But do you not see like this the, the the front desk person trying like they're sweating their ass off trying to make sure that everybody can get a seat yeah it's not like she's mistreating you on purpose 
Like yeah. you're, we're not getting a seat because she's not trying. Yeah. It's just that it was a huge influx of people. And then I remember like I kind of like lightweight lectured her and she just sat there super quiet. And I was like, I told her like, yo, you can't – I can't go out to eat with you. That's how you treat like staff and service because, yeah. you know, if you were on the other end, you would fucking hate that shit. Yeah. And, you know? and yeah. And um, there, so uh, at the restaurant that I was working at, it, there um, – especially on holidays, it would get super packed, right? And super busy. There's going to be a lot of walk-ins, right? And so um, typically, if there's like a party of four, uh, they would like to sit at the booths, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of like a a regular table. And um, our boss would tell us, um, that you know we we don't we don't see like party of five on there like, i mean like sure like you can probably squeeze people like five people in it like but yeah. typically um we we don't usually do that right and so the hostess was keeping in mind of that and so she was like trying to see this party of four but then this party of five has was there before the party of four and so then um the boss actually went in front of the hostess and be like oh party of five here follow me and she takes him to the booth and then the hostess was like, what the hell? Like, you told me not to seat five people there. And then she was like, oh, it's okay, it's okay. And I was like, oh. so, so it's not, it, it, it sucks because I've seen very poor management and the way that customers see it in um, like how the hostess is being treated or the waiters are being treated from management, it's kind of like you can't help but get the bad service because there's no direct communication. Like there's no clear communication yeah. of like, what is the protocol? Because... This hostess told me that um, I can't be seated at a booth, but then now you're telling me I can. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's hard. There's a lot of things that kind of, you know, and that's not really the customer's knowledge to understand that. And so, yeah. like, I, I, I get that part. It's kind of like, yeah. well, it's I'm just a customer. I'm not here to fix your personal communication issues. Like, I'm right. just getting the, the bad end of the service. So it makes the restaurant look bad. Hell yeah. And as an owner of a business, too, we have to look at it as like, okay, what can I do better? Then right. what am I fucking up on? Because there's a lot of stuff that we fucked up on too. Like specifically yeah. like one of the biggest issues that I had was hiring the right people. And mm-hmm. mind you, like for me, that wasn't that wasn't really my job. But at a certain point, I had to step in and say like, okay, well, who are you really hiring? And, right. you know, with the business that, you know, I'm going to let go, um, they would just hire people who they thought were their friends, you know, and it was mm-hmm. so stupid. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? And and they just didn't understand that like it's a business, mm-hmm. you know. And they didn't think about structure. And they kind of like the way they would treat employees and like give them knowledge would be like, okay, well, I expect them to know everything. It's like, well, how do you expect them to know you? You gotta explain it to them. Like yeah. they're your employees. Yeah. You know. And so you know, there's there's a lot of issues that a lot of people who think that they can be business owners they don't understand that you're a leader. Like you have to guide these people on a regular basis and they mm-hmm. have to be able to trust that you know what you're doing. Because mm-hmm. if you don't know what you're doing, the whole system breaks down. Oh, hell yeah. Right? Yeah. Like being under that management, it just drove me nuts. And so I just literally told them like, hey, I can't work here um, because this year is a very important year for me. And it was just basically my last year of college. And like, they were just like, no, 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 don't leave us. Like, we need you. And I was like, I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't like, I don't think I can um, keep coming back, right? Because it just got so hectic. And there was like, I, I was just so frustrating working there every weekend. And so then um, uh, my boss was telling me, because like, so I was a cashier for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And um, 
she liked me as cashier because I was fast and I was accurate with the money, like handling the money and mm-hmm. giving the checks out and everything. Um, and what was annoying to me was how the pay system was. It's like, look, I don't like I don't I wouldn't say that I'm a person that feels entitled to how much I get paid. Yeah. But it's like but if you're hiring someone to do their job like they should do it correctly and so it was always a cashier and then there's a hostess and then there's waiters right and so the hostess will be obviously seating people right but then if customers have questions the hostess should be able to answer them yeah so we had this hostess that um just only sat people but never answered questions and she would always direct them to me when i'm like already busy with doing other things and the thing is that the hostess gets tipped more than I do. Why? From the whole restaurant. But that's the hierarchy. That's why it was so frustrating because I was like... Wait, when does a hostess ever get tipped more than the actual waiters and waitresses? No, 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 no. As a cashier. Oh, yeah, cashier. I got tipped... Like, a hostess got tipped more than a cashier. Sure. Which makes makes sense, right? But it's like... But if part of your job is to be able to answer customers' questions, like, I'm not here to babysit you and to enable that bad behavior of you don't know what you're talking about. Was she, like, related to, like, the... uh, No, she wasn't. She she wasn't. She just like I guess sucking like sucking some dick behind those doors. Is that or what something. You're doing? Yeah, like she kept referring them to me and I was like, what the fuck? Like I'm not I can't be doing your job too. Yeah. Like if customers come to me and ask me questions, sure, that's fine. But if you're gonna bring customers over to me because you can't answer it, I'm like, that's bullshit. And so did you, I remember, did you ever talk to management about that? I did, I did. So like that was one of the reasons why I didn't want to come back was because that was so frustrating. And I was like telling her, I was like, she needs to know. Because if if she doesn't know, then like I'm not going to be working here anymore because it's way too hectic and I'm not, I don't get paid enough to do this essentially, yeah. right? And so um, she she was just saying, like, okay, how about if you just come once, once in the weekend? Because mm-hmm. I think I was working um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and mm-hmm. she only wanted me to work on Saturdays. And I was like, okay, sure, I can do that, right? I was like, uh, but like, I was still kind of hesitant on it, right? And then she was like, I'll make you dopoki every weekend. And I was like, <laughs> Okay, Mrs. Kim, oh you my got god, me. you are so easy to please, dude. Have a fucking backbone, Julia. God damn. No, but it was food though. It was food that I was craving. It was free fucking food, David. Okay, he was a Korean person, huh? Yeah, it was. Tteokbokki and then fucking Mrs. Kim. Yeah, Mrs. Kim. Please, if you work on a Saturday only, yeah. I make you tteokbokki to make you smile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, she kind of bribed me tteokbokki. I'm like, damn it. That was the only thing that got me. <laughs> it's weird because. Um, like working for Korean people and, you know, being a Korean guy myself. Yeah. A lot of the times things that got mixed up within Korean businesses was the the business and friendship part. So yeah. they try to create like a family environment sort of, you know, but at the same time, like the, because when family and business mixes in, they it, it kind of goes worse than it does better. Right. So what yeah. I mean by that is let's say like um, they fucked up on the paycheck or something, right? They're yeah. like, oh, okay, well, I'll, I'll just fix it next week. Can you wait? It's like, yeah. mm, on a, in a regular, but it's like, no, I need that money. You need to fix it now. And there's no question about it. Yeah. But for them, they'll be like, but I made you talk about your last week. Oh. I, uh, I thought we were a family. Yeah, you you yeah, can't yeah. wait for me? If I make you talk about you, you cannot wait for me? <laughs> that's not cool. You know? And so that's where it happens, like where it, it mixes up a lot. And oh, I, hate, I, I used to hate that shit. Yeah. And the one fucking business where I started with Korean people same fucking problem and there were issues that I didn't know because I'm not there for the day to day Mm -hmm. and I just can't really support and push a business that would do that to employees and so yeah, that's why we're gonna have to move on from that but Mm -hmm. it's so weird dude like it's it's such a weird case like uh, 
you know, we could say that we're family and family time is family time. You know, after work, you guys, yeah. you can bond, have drinks, go on to like these company trips and picnics. But when it's work time, it's work time, baby. Yeah. That's what it's supposed to be like. Right, right. So like, okay, so let me ask you this. Do you believe in tipping? I believe in tipping <laughs> if the wage does not support their lifestyle. For example, mm-hmm. in Japan and other countries, right? Right. Aside from the U.S., there isn't any tipping, but their wage is a lot higher. Yes. And so there's 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 two sides to this, right? So let's say I own a restaurant, right? Mm-hmm. And I told every, I told all the employees, by the way, in my restaurant, there's no tipping. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely no tipping. They yeah. go, cool. They go, what's my incentive? Well, you get paid eighteen dollars an hour. Yeah. But here's the thing: because you get paid eighteen dollars an hour, and there's absolutely no tipping, I expect the highest amount of service, and I expect your fucking undivided attention when you work. Because now I'm expecting a a higher level of skill sets. Yeah. Right? Because I'm not paying somebody 18, 17, whatever, $16 an hour to work this part-time job if you're going to come in and just whenever you're in a bad mood or I have to cater to you and shit like that. I expect somebody to be at a skill set and a level to be paid that type of wage. And that's what happens in other countries. When we went to a restaurant in Japan. Yeah. Everybody's service was on point. And they make a living wage. Mm -hmm. Like I even heard – um, that people, if you work at a fast food chain at other at other countries, like let's say like like Thailand or fucking Japan, mm-hmm. it's actually a living wage. You can live off of that, mm-hmm. and they get paid way better. Mm-hmm. And people in America, they hear that, they go, well, "How come they get paid like that?" Well, do you have their service? Do you work as hard as them? Mm-hmm. Do you like? I'm talking about in Japan. It's so fucking efficient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I go, can I get number one and two? They go, hi. Yeah. And I move three steps away. Your order's ready. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Whose order? Your order, order, fat boy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my order? That's how efficient they are. So I do believe in tipping in a place where the wage won't supplement how they're going to live. Mm -hmm. But if you want a higher pay, you have to work for that type of pay. Right. You know? And I feel like it's a hit and miss with a lot of service industry stuff. They go, well, I deserve a fucking tip. Well, I work a regular job too and I don't get a tip. But I understand that you're not getting paid correctly. So the tip system does work for you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, because there's one time where... um, So this was when I became a waitress at that restaurant. And um, I was serving this table. And um, this guy uh, that was sitting there, he was just saying, Oh, this is amazing service. Thank you. Right? And then I was like, Oh, yeah. um, No problem. I mean, this is what I like to do for you. Right? And so later, um, I heard... uh, like, I guess there's two girls that was sitting with him and they're like, oh my God, like, why would you like say something like that or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, that was her tip to, to, let, her, to, to let her know that she ha- that she did a great job. And I was like, no. And I, like, I was I was so confused. I was so perplexed because like, I understand that if my service is shitty or if anything, like however you feel, you can tip whatever amount, right? Whether it be a dollar, two dollars, ten dollars, right? Um, that's up to your own discretion, right? Yeah. But then like, just to hear that, was just like it's highly offensive it it took me back because i was like oh shit like i guess that's one way to tip someone by saying that they did great service even though you don't leave any money because then it's just like well tip is optional right yeah yeah so i was i was just very confused by that because i just honestly didn't know how i felt about that because it's like sure i'm not 100 percent entitled to it right because that's it's it's additional it's optional yeah yeah so when you said that i was like wow i was like that's a interesting way of seeing things yeah you know and some people are just fucking assholes dude yeah some people are just rude as fuck yeah it's hard on the service industry because like your your job is to make sure that this person or your customer 
um, walks away with a great experience. But in that, you also have to exercise a lot of patience because just because you are a great person doesn't mean that that person is going to treat you the same back. Right. And that's the fucking hard part, dude. Like, dude, when I was at the men's warehouse, let me tell you about this shit, dude. (laughs) So I used to work at uh, the men's warehouse in Tuxedo. So my manager that hired me on, first of all, shout out to Ken. Uh, Ken actually gave me a job, and I, and I think like at the time I needed a job really bad, and he hired me. Mm-hmm. And to this day, we're still friends. Like, I, oh, that's awesome! I, like, I, I've seen his kids grow up um, and okay. everything, and so like you know, we're, we're, I consider him like family. Family. Yeah. Every time I go back to Sacramento, I visit him. That's how much. That's how long. How much we've connected over the past years. But when I used to work there, dude, I used to run into some of the most asshole customers. Man, yo, let me tell you about this. There was this lady that came in, and so during during tuxedo times, like yeah. when. Um, the the most popular time for tuxedos are a couple times uh, out the year. Other than that, they're not popular. It's mm-hmm. wedding season, right? Which usually happens during the summer to fall around there. That's like when it's popping, popping, mm-hmm. and then uh, during junior prom and senior prom, mm. the most popular times for people to come in. Other than that, the business is pretty dead, especially for a, a tuxedo specific business. I see. And so during this time, uh, the place was called Men's Warehouse Tux, so MW Tux, oh. and they acquired an, a previous company from it and it just became mw tux later and that's when i was hired on Mm -hmm. so during these busy times i had to deal with some fucking stupid ass customers now mind you me being somebody who is at the time didn't know how to exercise too much patience Mm -hmm. depending on who it was uh i had to deal with some shit shit fucking people so there was a kid that came in for a tuxedo i remember this kid and i measured him up i'm a bigger dude so if a bigger guy measures him maybe he'll feel a little more comfortable Mm -hmm. so the guy was the kid was so big i mean no no fault to his own he was well. He did eat a lot, but he he had like a past like a quadruple X vest. Wow. So when you get um a vest size that big on a tuxedo that's yeah. past um like quadruple X or three X, mm-hmm. you have it's a backless vest, meaning that you do have the front part of the vest and the and the back is just straps. And oh. it doesn't really matter because you're gonna have it over a jacket anyways. Right. So that's how it is. I explained it to him. I was like, Hey, are you okay with the backless vest? You're kind of on the larger side, so there's nothing in store that can fit you. And if you go anywhere else, you're not gonna be able to find one unless yeah. you get it custom made. Yeah. And he goes, Oh, it's cool, it's great, it's not a problem, man. Cool. So I, I I fit this kid up, made him feel comfortable, and the kid looked sharp as fuck. Yeah. So after the after his junior or senior prom is over, he comes up with his mom. Now his mom, by the way, I remember exactly what she looked like, dude. She came into the store with this baby blue fucking floral print uh fucking muumu outfit like this yeah. one piece silky and disgusting as fuck <laughs> oh. walking and looking like fucking mexican jabba the hut dude like oh. she was huge dude by the way i fucks with mexican people but i do not fuck with that bitch so she yeah. comes in mad attitude dude she goes excuse me sir i just wanted to talk to your management and you know my manager wasn't there at the time yeah and i was like okay like well he's not here but let me help you out because i was closing up shop she goes i want a full refund for my son's tuxedo i was like okay well what happened and she goes she goes nothing happened uh the tuxedo fit fine but his vest came without a back so i want a full refund for the tuxedo oh my god and i remember because i fitted him and i was like okay ma'am um let me let me let me talk to my manager real quick i'll give him a call to see what i what i should do but you did say the tuxedo fit well. And I did explain to your son that he can't have a back to his tuxedo yeah. because once he moves past like quadruple or triple X, it doesn't have a back. And he said he was completely okay with it. Yeah. And she goes, well, I wasn't aware of that. And then his, mind you, 
as she's returning this tuxedo, there's other people looking for their tuxedos for their prom. Yeah. Right? So he had his prom and there's other kids. You know, every every school has a different right, prom time. Right, 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 And so, like, she's causing a fucking scene yelling at me. And this kid is embarrassed. Oh. Like, he's sitting there just, like, pissed. Yeah. Because she's basically announcing to every person in that store that my son is a fat fuck and he can't fit anything. Oh. And I'm sitting I'm like, ma'am, you need to, like, lower your voice and relax. And I'm looking at this kid and he's embarrassed, right? I felt terrible for this kid. And I, I, you know, I called him. He goes, well, he goes, well, he said he enjoyed the tuxedo. We'll just give a refund on the on the vest, and then we'll move on from. It. Oh, cool. I was like, I can do that. I was like, hey, this is what we'll do. Uh, the tuxedo, he liked it, he enjoyed it, and the kid was like, mom, the tuxedo's fine. Like he's upset. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Right? And she's like, shut up. Like I'm talking to the guy. You know, she's like super surly. And I was like, okay, we'll give you a refund on the vest. Yeah. She goes, no, I want a full refund on the tuxedo. And I'm, I, I was like, I can't do that because. He understood that he liked it. Your son clearly said he enjoyed it, and we explained it to him. Like, I can give you a refund on the vest, which was like, what, 20 or 30 bucks. Right. So I'll do that for you right now. And then she just starts screaming at me. I'm talking about at the top of her fucking lungs. And I got so fucking upset. I was like, I got a clown on this bitch. She had this lazy eye. Oh so, you know, gosh. I'm talking about lazy as fuck. I'm talking about one eye directly into my eyes and, and the, the other, other one. one just passed the fuck out to the side. And so I looked at her and I was like, man, I was like, unless you look me directly in my eyes, I cannot speak to you anymore. <laughs> oh, my God. David. Yeah, and she was like, excuse me. I was like, look me dead in my eyes. Or I can't talk to you because that's super disrespectful. She goes, I am looking at you. And I was like, not from what I can tell. <laughs> I'm just like clowning on her, dude. And I got so upset. I was like, ma'am, you know you're embarrassing your son right now, right? You're basically telling him that he was so large he can't fit a vest. And you're embarrassing your son. Mind your fucking manners. Like I'm talking yeah. to her like this. And she's like, I'm going to call corporate blah, 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 screaming. And the kid is just like hiding his face and she uh. storms out. I had to deal with this type of shit all the time. Yeah. And then she did call corporate. I told him the situation. I was like, she was screaming at me, yelling at me, asking for a full refund on a tuxedo. Yeah. And I was told that I should just give them a full refund on the vest. Yeah. And that the tuxedo was fine. And the kid was okay with it. Yeah. And they, they, did, they didn't reprimand me and that's it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Dude, I clowned on that bitch, dude. Dude, she was huge. People. Oh, God. It's. Uh, Oh, that just infuriates me because, yeah, I, I did encounter a few people like that at the restaurant. Dude, I'll tell you this, man. Oh I was fat, God. dude. So when a fat person looks at another fat person and goes, God damn, that's yeah. how fat she was. She was huge. She was so fat, her feet looked like they were going to explode. <gasps> like her 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 shoes had a fucking nice lean to it. Like, oh, it was, my God. It was bad, dude. Like, have you ever m- microwaved a fucking uh, s'more before and you see that marshmallow seep off to the side? Yeah. That's what her feet looked like in those goddamn sandals. Fuck that bitch. Wow. Yeah, I she, mean, I'm assuming you never saw them again. Have you ever heard a fucking flip-flop scream? No. <laughs> That's what you saw, fucking fat-footed bitch. Oh, my God. I just imagine the, the flip-flops be, like, extra flat. Yo, I don't know what she was sitting on. She was she was walking on a wing in a prayer, dude. That bitch waddled. She had a cane, too, by the way. Oh. Because she was huge. She was, like, yeah. 400 pounds. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yo, shout out to that kid, though, for at least, like... You know, backing me up because mm-hmm. he was like, yo, he was like, I'm good with the, the tuxedo fit fine. And she's like, no, we didn't get it back. I was like, I can't help the fact that your son can't fit in something past three or four X's. Yeah. Once you pass three or four X's, I have to fucking find a curtain and, yeah. sh- and make something out of it. I can't help you. Did you did you tell her that it had to be custom made if she wanted it back? No, I told her like you have to go buy a vest, which I buy. It has to be custom made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The kid was fucking huge. He was huge. Very sweet kid though. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Damn, customer service is a fucking bitch, dude. It is. 
dude, you know what I just realized? Uh, there was questions that I was supposed to ask you and we didn't even get to it. <laughs> so oh, really? It's an hour and 10 fucking minutes in, baby. Uh, <laughs> Maybe next time. I uh, know. Before this podcast ends, I need yeah. you to sing me one R&B song that you like. One R&B song? R&B. Rhythm and blues. R&G. Uh, rhythm and gangster, baby. I don't... I can't think of one on top on the top of my head except for like... I believe I can fly. You don't sing that song, Julia. No, I don't. You know who the fuck sings that? It's I R. Know. Kelly. I know, but that's the only song that's popping into my head right now. Um, oh, a rapist oh. song. <laughs> hey, if you're talking about R and B, my mind automatically goes into the "I believe I can fly" song. All right, I'm sorry. I used to think that I could not go on. That life was nothing but a no. I don't remember the song, but now I. You know what? Fuck that song, dude. Yeah. We're not singing that song no, next. But, Another R and B song. Um. Oh my god. What? What? What is that? A Ghost Rider. Da, 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 da. Ghost Rider. Yeah. Go. I think it's called Ghost Rider or something. Oh wait. Lana, I think of you. Yeah. I want the that's not that R&B though. Oh sorry I don't know You don't know a single R&B song I don't song. know dude Like I, I can't think of anything Really honestly. No Boyz II Men song? Uh, I think I came a little after Boyz II Men It was yeah, more but Backstreet Boys Yeah We'll sing a oh, God not a single Boyz II Brian McKnight I'm sorry Jodeci I've heard about Brian McKnight I just don't remember much of his songs Casey and Jojo Casey All my life I pray for someone like Sing the you. verse, though. I don't remember. Oh, come on. Close to dude, me, I don't know if I could like be your friend brother, anymore. Close to me. I don't know if I could be your fucking friend anymore, dude. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's also something I played on the piano mm-hmm. to get me some poses. Mm-hmm. I mean, I that to. was a great song. I promise to never fall in love mm-hmm. with, with a stranger. stranger. You're all I'm thinking of. I praise the Lord above for sending me a very, very hug. Mm-hmm. I really love. All my life, I pray I for, for someone, someone like you. you. And I can't. Nope. And no. I thank God. Oh, thank God. That I, that that I finally found you. God, Julia. Do better next time. I'm terrible. Anyways, guys, uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Genius Brain Podcast. Remember, we are an interactive space. Leave comments below. Yeah. This podcast is just us talking shit and having conversation, man. A lot of podcasts have very like unique guests that have this u- unique perspective about their jobs and their careers. We're not doing that. We're just having conversation and mm-hmm. having fun. And we're allowing you guys to be a part of this conversation. So leave comments below if you're watching this on YouTube. Remember, we're on Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, uh, iTunes, Podcast, everything. And Damn, you, everything. all sorts of platforms. We're on all those audio platforms. Wow. So just make sure that you guys leave those five stars and those comments below. Once again, shout out to audible.com for all your audio book listening needs. We're talking about audible.com slash GB or text GB to 500-500, right? That's 500-500. They say text SMS code to 500-500-GB. All right, you guys. Uh, where, they, where can they find you, Julia? Uh, you can find me on my YouTube channel called uh, X Blue Apples. Same thing with my Instagram. It's X and then the color blue 
and then apple, and then there's a Z at the end. Yeah, you made it fucking complicated this shit, bro. I did, but you know what? I'm going to stick with it, man. Like, I know a lot of people give me a lot of flack for that. It's like, dude, this is a dumbass screen name that you had in high school. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to stick to it. I'm not going to change it to my real name. That's right. Stupid. Yeah. <laughs> X Blue Apples all the way. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Joe. We'll catch you all next time. Bye.